Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm one of your hosts, Molly. Hey, hey, and I'm Blair. And listen, today, let me ask you this, Molly, does this sound familiar? My kid is driving me insane. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's just about everybody. But I feel like my kid is attached to me. I'm constantly playing for hours upon hours with my kid when I have a hundred million thousand other things to do. And I just want them to play by themselves. To me, that sounds like the parent of an only child, of which I am. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're reading from? Mm-hmm. I am indeed. And that's what we are discussing today. This idea of only child, constant playmate, parent, and how to finagle our way around that dichotomy. <laughs> it's so funny. I remember people... Not even I remember. I mean, my son is five and a half and people over the last five and a half years, more than five, less than 20 Mm. have said to me, oh, you're going to want to have another one. So they have someone to play with. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't think that's a reason why people have second children, like (laughs) as the primary reason. But I do think it's probably a little helpful thing, an offshoot. It's not the right word. You know, for sure. I Listen, it's the same for me. My husband is one of five and I'm one of two, but my brother is 13 years older than me. So I was like an only child for a very long time. And it was, yeah, sweet. So when I had my son, my husband was like, yeah, of course, we're going to have another one. And I was like, whoa, whoa, pump your brakes. <laughs> pump your brakes, sir. <gasps> With whose body? And to see now that they're five and three and to see like that relationship and what that is. And honestly, sorry, the break that I get from the playing, it is quite nice. Right. Because they are playing with each other. Yes. Because they play with each other. They have each other. They wrap each other in their, you know, games and stuff and whatnot that I really, I love them, but I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy playing. Nor do you have to. I mean, everybody's different. And, you know, the funny thing is, I remember my dad recently in the last six months, we were chatting about it. And he said, I was telling him about how, and also I'm an older parent. I'm in my 40s. My kid's five and a half. So I think that is a factor, too, that I'm just tired. But, like, I remember when my mom turned 42. Like, I was a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Yep. And so I was talking to my dad about it. And I said... It's just tough because, you know, I can't remember what we were talking about on car rides or something. I'm like, he wants me to sit back there with him, but I, you know, want to sit in the front and chat with my husband or he always needs somebody. I have to pack a bag of toys. I have to, you know, whatever. I'm just talking about parenting things. Like nothing that I'm talking about is necessarily Mm -hmm. the worst. It's fine. It's just like little, whatever was slight thing was annoying me. He goes, Molly, to be honest with you. We never had to worry about that. Mm. On car trips, you guys were in the back of the truck. This was back when kids could be in the back of a truck. (laughs) Remember that? Maybe unbuckled. Were there buckles? (laughs) It was like the back of a truck that had the cab on, and then they had like two little benches. It was like a camping truck kind of. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like a camper. He said, you guys would be in the back of the truck playing Barbies for hours. And I was like, what was that like? What is that? Did you have adult conversations? (laughs) And he's like, yeah. And he's like, that's kind of your childhood. And, you know, playing outside in the morning, we came in for lunch. We went back out. We created whole worlds with forts made out of, you know, old boards. (laughs) What are those called? Plywood boards, whatever it is. And, 
you know, leaves and then we'd come in for dinner and then we'd go back out and then we'd come in, take a bath and go to bed. So like, mm-hmm. and not only are we in a different time now, yeah. and my kid's also a little young still, he's five and a half, from, a little young for me to be like, get outside, see you in four hours. <laughs> but it is hard. It would, that would be a lot of independent play, which I encourage, but is not always possible. And it's different nowadays too, like you said, because there's so much emphasis on technology, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, I remember as a kid, like going out to dinner and whatnot. I didn't have anything to read. I had maybe crayons and a pad of paper, you know, I had like a doll. Yeah. Or a doll. But other than that, I was like on my own and I had to learn how to behave or, you know, if we don't, we also just like going out wasn't as big of a thing as, as it is now too. It's this constant playmate thing that can get really tough, especially coming out of our way a pandemic. Or like getting into the maintain portion of the pandemic, like yeah, getting into the maintenance of it. Yes, for sure. That a lot of parents have been, I don't want to say burdened with, is that the right word? Not burdened with, but having to take responsibility in. For what? Being the constant playmate. Oh, yes. I'm sure we are speaking to many people in our audience right now. Yeah. When we say that the last two and a half years, the neon lighted sign above the last two and a half years for me has been hashtag constant playmate. Mm -hmm. Especially those first six months before my son went back to school. It can be a lot. It's the demand of it. I have a friend, as soon as we came up with the topic, I sent her a text message because it's something that she we often talk about. And I was like, you know, what's something that you want to talk about? Want to bring up on the pod? And she was just like, how long does it last? Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. How about having to be the constant playmate? Yeah. How long does this last of me having to constantly play with him? She says, because he's five and a half and he still demands us. Like, how do I handle it? So he doesn't think that we don't want to play with him, but make him understand that we can't sit with him all of the time, all day long. How to reason with him, you know, which is not easy. Reasoning with a little human being. Yeah. And this is what I struggle with, too, is finding the activities that I actually take interest in that don't cause that supreme boredom to where I like bring my phone with me. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. You know, bring my phone into it. So I'm just like, I'm there, but I'm not there, you know. So finding those things for myself, because I love give me an art project any day or let me like play a character. Right. Let's do it. But I don't like to like build Legos that much. I don't like to play with animals or Gabby's doll. I'm not into that. Right. Right. But there are some people who are like, what are the things that you like to do with D-Man? Or don't. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) I like playing. My favorite thing to do with him is playing outside, Mm -hmm. which sometimes is very hard to get him outside. And sometimes it's very hard to get me outside. My biggest challenge with that, obviously, besides weather, but Megan Fitzgerald, who was on our outside getting outside episode, says there is no such thing as bad weather. There's only inappropriate clothing choices. She's absolutely right. She's absolutely but tell that to my bones that don't like the cold. Yes, exactly. But we, when we get outside, that's when I get most invigorated. And part of that is fresh air, of course. Mm-hmm. My biggest challenge as the hashtag constant playmate is not necessarily even being reluctant to play, which I very often get into once I get into it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's when I need him to be busy because I 
have to do something else. You have stuff to do. Like okay. that's the biggest thing. And it's not even like I have to pick up the dining room, whatever, because you can kind of push some of those things aside. Lord knows I do <laughs> almost every time. But it's like I get him home from pre-K at 4.30 and really we should be eating at 5.30 because I need him in the bath at 6.30. You know that thing that's in your head where like... Yeah, the time, where of I, course. And again, reasoning. Mm-hmm. I cannot get down to his level and say, hi. So here's the thing. I pick you up at 4.30. It's a 19-minute drive home. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right, he yeah, doesn't yeah. give a flying fart. Mm-mm. So... I just have to come home and almost immediately make sure that he is engaging in something independently. I try really hard to not have it be a screen. Mm-hmm. Because if he gets into a screen, whether it be his Amazon, what's that little kid, Amazon Fire, Fire tablet, t- mm-hmm. or putting on Power Rangers or whatever, once he is in front of that screen, now I have the additional challenge of getting him off it for dinner. Mm. And dinner is never going to be as enticing as a screen. Of course. So that's one thing I've learned is like when I get him home from pre-K and I need to get going on dinner, I need an hour. If this isn't one of those quickie nights, and I do a lot of the quickie nights where you put in, throw in a frozen pizza and cut up veggies on the side and, you know, whatever. Right. But it's in like a real dinner night when I really want to make a meal, mm-hmm. I need him to be engaged in something. And it's so hard to pull him away from a screen. Mm-hmm. So now I have to take 10 or 15 minutes to get him going with something that I can hopefully sneak away from mm-hmm. to go cook without him saying, mommy, come back. Because of course, guess what? A lot of times it's more fun to play with somebody else. It, this just in. It is. And he does say, like, he's a friend down the street, and when that friend isn't around, he says, but who am I going to play with? Mm. Wow. Kick me right in the guilt gut, kid. The onset of guilt that happens simply because you're trying to do well for your kid, but you're also trying to live your life and get the things done that you need to get done. Yeah. And sometimes the things that you need to get done can't be put off till after we go to sleep, after we put the kid to bed. Because I go to sleep. Because I go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. I know that there are parents out there, and I commend you, who put your kid down at 745 or whatever time, and then you like go and work for two hours, Oof. or you go out and take care of the farm animals. I commend you. I feel like, and I don't know if it's partly because I'm an older mom or because all of our stores of energy for the last two and a half years have been severely depleted. Done. Gone. Done. Gone. Bye-bye. But it's, yeah, I do find it challenging after my son goes down getting some of that stuff done. Yeah. Huh. We're fun. We're so fun. But listen, here's the good news. Yes. I found in my research some really helpful tips on how to get your kids to play by themselves and how to keep your energy saved and not full of rage and guilt. Oh, when we come back, can you tell us about it? Sure will. Thank you. Stick around. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. 
And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hi, we're back here at Toddler Purgatory talking about hashtag constant playmate, the challenges. And Blair, you said you had some hot tips. I got some hot tips, but here's one thing I came across in my research that was very interessante, and I wanted to run it by you, Molly. Interessante. I did not know you were bilingual. <laughs> now you know. I wanted to run this by you because I found it very interesting, and I was like, oh, this is kind of easier for me to put together as a mother of multiples versus a mom or parent of one. And it's like wrapped around the idea that, you know, from zero to whenever they get to, you know, the age where they start to get friends and whatnot, is that feeling that we feel as parents, the need to engage and entertain our kids for their social development and success. You know, like we want to engage. We want to be able, you know, you get all the toys, you get all like those like black and white, like flashcards. <laughs> oh, yes, because they can't process color. So they, they can't. So they need these black and white ones. Right. And got to keep them entertained. Got to keep them busy. Got to put all the things on the stroller. And I read in this article called When Kids Want Parents to Play All the Time by Megan Leahy, who is uh, author of Parenting Outside the Lines. And she's a certified parent coach. I didn't even know they existed. But you can get a parent coach, y'all. I accept. And Megan Leahy says, although you are clearly spending time with your children, when they feel that they are the ones in charge of the dynamic, it actually breeds more insecurity. That's interesting and understandable now that you just said it. Why? Question mark. Well, children, especially around three years oldish, are not meant to be the ones pursuing the adults for connection. The responsibility lies firmly in the hands of the adults in their lives. When your kids are chasing you around the house, their neediness and insecurity are growing. So take a moment to reflect on who's in charge of the connection in the family. Ask yourself, are they calling the shots of what we do, how and when? If the answer is yes, you will find that your children's cups will never fill up. Well, my brain just exploded. I mean, I read that and I was like, oh, wait a minute. So that's around age three. So what's my deal within a five and a half year old? <laughs> well, this article was for, she says, especially around the age of three, but it was for like constant. Our, yeah. yeah, it's our demographic here. Zero to six or so. Mm hmm. Huh. So that is interesting because we want to also fill our kids control cup. Yes. For sure. So what does that mean? I mean, like most things in life, it must just mean a balance because they do have the need for control. And if we don't give them, I think that's what I'm dealing with with my son right now is him wanting to be in control of most things, most everything. And I'm trying to give him those, you know, the options for clothes. Hey, let's look at our calendar for today. In the afternoon, we can either go to the playground or the whatever. So I'm offering him two things that are doable to give him that control. But it's interesting that if you give him too much leeway, it is just balance, isn't it? It's the scales. It is that thing of, like you said, yes, balance. Like you're, we're trying to give that control and give them options and give them. But when is it too much to where they feel like they're completely 
in charge. Yeah. And then they don't have the boundaries and then they don't have the language to say I'm overwhelmed. Right. And because they don't have the language to say I'm overwhelmed, then they start doing the acting out thing. Right. With this responsibility. That drives us crazy. Yes. He drives me crazy. (laughs) I mean, that's a classic jam. That's a good one. That's a who sang that one? Fine Young Cannibals. Fine Young Cannibals. Yes. FYC. Such a great name. (laughs) So. Like in your household, Molly, do you feel like you're calling most of the shots or do you feel like D-Man's calling the shots or is it all of the things and then you need to find the balance? Like, what is it in my only child household? (laughs) In your only child household. Let me know. (laughs) I would say that right now we're having a tough time, but I've also have five and a half years of experience with this child to speak to and... I think that it goes back and forth. Right. We sometimes have great balance with that, where we have a set schedule, but flexibility within it, where he feels like he's part of the decision-making process, but he doesn't have to bear the load of the responsibility all on his own. And I think that there are times when the needle goes the other way, which is what I'm dealing with right now. And so right now, the needle is not very balanced, and I'm feeling a little bummed out about it. Of course. So... I just have to find that again. I have to like find my footing. And part of that is, you know, we went on vacation and my son got a couple weeks ago and my son got kind of, he was great the first two to three days. Then he had a little bit of a meltdown day. And I think it was that feeling of, oh, we're not back at home. The novelty has worn off. Right. In his defense, I broke all the rules about, (laughs) you know, keeping any sort of our normal routine. Like he was asleep by nine instead of eight. And like... That's a lot of time. That's an hour out. And then the sun would come up and he'd be so excited to go fishing with Papa. So he'd be up at six instead of seven. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Vacations throw everybody's routine off and it definitely threw his off. And I feel like in the couple of weeks since then, I just can't seem to find my footing with that. So mm-hmm. I need to figure that out. And every day I pick him up from school and he says, where are we going today? And if I say nowhere (laughs) in the first, I said, oh, we're going to go home and mama's going to make dinner. Mm -hmm. You're going to play with Legos or you can get your PJ Masks toy out if you want to. Mm -hmm. And he is already beginnings of Winetown USA back there because he wants to do something. Right. And that's because he and I do do a lot of things together. Sometimes I pick him up and we go straight to the skate park. Sometimes I pick him up and we go to the bouncy house. Sometimes we go and meet up with his friends at the playground. So... And part of that is because he is the son of me and my husband, and we like to do things. Which is amazing. Yeah, we're not homebodies. It's just not who we are, yeah. And brilliant and awesome for him. But it's also that, like, what do I do for myself? Yeah, how do I get him to just go home and be happy playing for 45 minutes, which even as I say that sounds like a long time to ask of a five-year-old. It is a long time. It is a long time. But listen, it's also doable. Yeah. That is the thing that it is doable. And a mantra that we say often is this is only a season. Mm -hmm. This is only a season. And I think also, you know, if you have that dynamic with your kid of playing with them, and even though it is constant and can feel like you are in purgatory, I think you're setting them up for some success as far as your relationship in the future. I agree. You know, and them knowing that they can lean on you hard in times of what strife or happiness, goodness, whatever happens is that you are always a constant, which is really positive for them. 
and really exhausting for me. And so exhausted. So then let's do this. Let's get into what we can do to help our kids play alone for those of us who have singlets. <laughs> Isn't that the wrestling outfit? Or is that a unitard? I, oh, I don't, I, either one. I prefer a singlet, but if it comes in unitard, I'll take it. I'll put it on. I get my lovely lady lumps inside of them. All right. So what are some ways that we can get our kids to play along? According to an article that I found on todaysparent.com, ways to get your kid to play alone. <laughs> that was an easy search. Jane Hughes, who is a, an associate professor of early learning and child care program at McEwen University in Edmonton. I don't know where Edmonton is, the university. Ontario, isn't it in Ontario? Oh, is it? It might be. Because that's where they stopped. They didn't tell me where. They thought that I knew my geography. I'm a dummy. I don't know. No. Maybe it's Edmonton, Arizona. I don't know. It could be Edmonton, Kansas. <laughs> Jane Hughes, because she suggests the following. Number one, start gradually, right? Warn your kid. So if you're playing together, right? Warn your kid in advance that you'll be leaving them for a few minutes you know, say to wash some dishes or something, but don't go too far. I think this is more for like little baby babies. Sure. Okay. And make sure when you come back, you say you will, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. It's like, make sure you say you're going to come back. Don't disappear. And, oh, right. <laughs> and not say anything. And over time, the need for proximity will hopefully reduce. Right. I remember that uh, similar concept on Super Nanny. I watched ages ago. The kid who couldn't go to sleep unless the parents were in the room. And if the kid woke up and the parent wasn't there, they'd lose their minds. Oh, God, I remember that one. Yeah. And so the super nanny had them like, so just like what you said, gradual. It's all baby steps, right? Sit a little farther away, a little farther away, a little farther away until you're in the doorway. Mm -hmm. When they fall asleep and then you're outside the door, you know, et cetera. But it is those baby steps of make sure the proximity isn't so far away that your kid panics. Do you remember when that woman finally shut the door? Yeah. Nanny Joe came out and was like doing like a silent cheer and she just burst into tears. <gasps> I remember seeing that when I was young. For some reason, I used to love that show. I did too. I remember like watching that episode and being like, uh, is this what is, is she okay? <laughs> is this what this is like? Like this? Okay. I don't know if this is something that I want to be a part of. <laughs> but now, of course, as a parent, you look at that and you're like, you would burst into tears with her. Of course. I would. Of course. And then I think about it. And I think I saw it like later on. And I was like, after I had kids and I was like, <laughs> yes, girl, you, you did it. Did that. You did that. Uh, yeah. So great. So baby steps as far as like letting them know you're going to leave for just a, even five seconds, then 10 seconds, whatever, a little farther away each time. Okay. Yep. And you could always like peek out too. If you're not too far in proximity, peek out, check in. How you doing? Great. Mm -hmm. But make sure that you are giving them a fair warning and stick to it. Yeah. Say you're leaving and go. Parallel play. There's a big benefit in doing similar activities alongside of them. Mm-hmm. They watch what you're doing and imitate your behavior because they want to be just like you. Oh, that's sweet. That is sweet. So, you know, reading side by side, playing blocks side by side painting, coloring, which I love to do with my kids side by side. And then what I find is, is that when you do do this idea of parallel play is once they're in it, you can scoot out. Yes. And then just don't come back. <laughs> don't ever come back. No. <laughs> but it is that thing of like once, yeah, once they're engaged, if I can get my kid engaged in something, I can sometimes 
leave, even with a little warning, even with, oh, I'll be right back. Or, yeah. Oh, I'm going to go in the kitchen for a minute. And then, like, I think it was Busy Toddler the other day who said the same thing, which is like, and then if your kid is playing quietly in the other room, do not disturb. <laughs> Don't do it. I always want to, like, sneak, like, crawl, like, army crawl in on my elbows <laughs> and just to see if they're okay and not, like, you know, painting my coffee table or something. True. But I try not to make any noise and it's, I'm getting pretty ninja-like about it because then I can back away slowly, back away slowly, back away slowly because they're fine. But here's the thing too, especially about like what you mentioned about like coloring the coffee table and whatnot. I found myself, and I mean, I have two, but I found myself like in those moments of like deep quiet, what are they doing? Panic. Yep. The peace that I have... And being able to do my stuff and the time that I'm given and being able to do my stuff, even though sometimes, yes, I have lost a couch cushion or one of my favorite couch pillows to a permanent marker. But listen, in the long run of it, worth it. It's just a pillow. Yeah. Who cares? I was able to get another one on H&M home. It's okay. But it's like the panic and like the torture that I put myself to like, are they, you know, what are they doing to find out they're fine? Yeah. And that I just got 45 minutes to an hour of stuff done is worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah. Let them be. My couch cushions are a mess. Oh, come on. After that happened, I was like, all right, we're done. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry, couch. It's over for you. I guess it's more keeping him safe. Yes. Yeah. And now that I think about it, it's less about the couch cushions. And because literally my couch was given to me by our parents, our parents, my husband and I do not have the same parents. (laughs) That's weird. My parents. And when they were moving it from one place to another once on the going over, I believe, the Newport Bridge in Rhode Island, it flew off the back (laughs) of the truck (laughs) and landed in the middle of the Newport Bridge. They had a pullover. My dad and the person who was helping him run over, pick up this sectional in two pieces, throw it in the back of the trailer. It was a trailer in the back of a truck, actually. And uh, because, of course, I was playing Barbies in the back of the truck. How could the couch go in there? <laughs> no, this is way later, way later. And it went off and hit and it continues to bear. It's fine, weirdly structurally fine, but has some bumps and bruises. So I honestly don't mind if there's a hundred PJ Masks stickers on the bottom of one of the cushions. It's seen things. That couch has seen things. It's seen. Oh, it has been around. <laughs> But I'll never get rid of it, at least not until the jumping on the couch from the coffee table ends, which I believe will be in about 13 to 15 years. Listen, word to the wise and side note, don't you have children and furniture you care about? Yes. Don't you do it. Agreed. (laughs) Hey, when we come back, we're going to hear more from this awesome list about how to keep your kids occupado. (laughs) Stick around. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt 
free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Welcome back. We were talking about how to deal with being constant playmate and things that you can do to help ease that load. Jane Hughes at McEwen University, she says, get them involved. So include them in what you're doing, which I think is a great idea. Yes. Just rope them on in. Get them to help you wash the dishes. Get them to help you fold the laundry, rake the leaves, clear the dinner table, set the dinner table. They're entertained while you finish your tasks, right? And they get a sense of accomplishment at the end. Or they get bored and wander away, and that's also a win. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I want to do something else. Well, then go right on ahead. I'm busy doing this. Yeah. Or I need to do this for the next 15 to 20 minutes. So why don't you go do that for the next 15 to 20 minutes? Easy peasy. See ya. You might get some pushback. Sometimes my son says, no, I want to play with you. Mm. And then sometimes it is worth that little investment of time to go and set them up with something and get them. Like I, yesterday, I think sometimes, you know, how it's just about presenting it in a different way. And then suddenly it's new to them. Mm -hmm. He had like two of these mini Funko Pops and like three Hot Wheels cars that were in the front of his backpack from when we traveled. And he really likes this pencil holder that my husband got me that I haven't been able to use because my son likes it so much. <laughs> so I grabbed that and I put those toys in that. And then I cleared off the coffee table and put that in the middle. And then I think he had Legos right near him or the PJ Masks um, tower or something. And I said, hey, what if these things lived over here and you built a thing over there? And I was lucky because he was interested in it immediately. Sometimes it's not as easy, but it definitely helped. And then I could go back to making whatever, you know, culinary feast I was making, like <laughs> dino nuggets mm. or whatever. I was like, I just got to get them in the oven. Okay, Chef Robert. Yeah, merci beaucoup. <laughs> So yes, if you get pushback, sometimes I think in my experience, if you invest those couple minutes, you might be able to buy yourself another 15 or 20 to get those nuggies on the table. Get them nugs on the tapes. Um, <laughs> also, she says to plan play dates. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, again, geared towards like the littler kids. By playing with others, your kid will learn to take turns and develop patience. That sometimes you may not have. So put them in their own peer group to practice it. Mm -hmm. 
right? The skills they need in order to be content on their own when you can't amuse them, which is patience. Patience and creativity. I feel like the less toys I give him and the more like he has like two bungee cords and a toothpick. Mm-hmm. He's so creative. Oh, don't give him a toothpick. That feels like a bad move. Don't, yeah, don't do that. That was more of a MacGyver example. <laughs> Like, remember MacGyver could literally, like, save a school bus full of kids that was hanging off a cliff with a toothpick and two Band-Aids. Yes. Like, he was so good. Ah, anyway. And MacGyver! And easy on the eyes. Real easy on the eyes. What was his name? Richard something cutie pie. Mullet? Check. (laughs) I think he had one. Swarthiness? Check. (laughs) Ingenuity? Check. But yes, they feel like... Just the other day, he had like his skateboard, his backpack, two bungee cords, and a foam sword. <laughs> and it was so fun watching him figure out how to make that mm-hmm. entertaining. And he was 100% entertained for probably 20 to 30 minutes. It was pretty awesome. So yeah, sometimes it's just that little bit. But you're right, being those playdates. I have a good friend of mine who is also the parent of an only child. And it's really good to see them work stuff out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes not. And take breaks from each other. Mm-hmm. Because I do think that when I play with my son, sometimes I know I'm like, this is like an obvious thing, but like, because I love him and because I'm his parent and because I'm not that invested Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the outcome, I never let him like win games, so to speak. Like if we're actually playing shoots and ladders, like we follow the rules and stuff. But if he's like, no, I want that car. I'm like, okay. Because I don't really care. Right. Because <laughs> you don't care. I don't really mind. I like the other car. And you got to go make a phone call or you got to go finish that email in like an hour. And also, I feel impartial towards his Hot Wheels. No offense to any of them, but I don't have a favorite. I'm not, you know, whatever. Right. So it's good when he plays with this other friend of his or any kids, really. For sure. That he knows that some kids are going to grab that car out from under him and say, no, that's the one I was playing with. And he needs to deal with that. And again, it's that importance of practicing these life skills. Yes. You have to practice just like I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and we were just kind of like lamenting how like life is really just like struggling right now and just kind of like, oh, and she said to me, you know, Blair, joy is a practice. Happiness is a practice. And I'm like, right. Did you burst into tears? I would have immediately burst into tears. I almost did, but I was too tired (laughs) to produce tears, too tired to produce sitting kind of tears. But it is like... Get your kids in their own peer groups. Find those places on the line, on social media, mm-hmm. or just chit-chat on the playground. But these kids need to be in their own peer groups and have even tiny bitty babies. Take them to those music classes and to those, you know, toddler tot classes so that they can start practicing yeah. these life skills that, like Molly said, we're kind of impartial to because we just love you and we just want to hang out with you, you know, and, and just have you be happy. <laughs> have you happy. See you thrive. Because I got an email to answer in about 20 minutes and we need to get this going. Also, from that Washington Post article from the parent coach, Megan Leahy, she says setting a timer and putting an end to play, especially tablets and other like TV technology things. Your goal Mm -hmm. is to expect the tears. You're going to expect tears. That's going to happen. But let the child know that it's okay to feel the way you feel. But this time is over and we need to move on. Yeah. It is really hard sometimes. And I try really hard not to physically parent the 
tablet away from him, like to like snatch it out of his hands or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's hard not to do that sometimes because I'm like, why can't this just be over? Mm-hmm. Like, why is this continuing still? Hand it back to me. Wait, meanwhile, he's like trying to get his thumb, trying to get that race car, yeah. trying to try as it's being pulled away from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm also reminded that things with toddlers take longer. Yes. We all learn this, but it's a constant learning process for me to say, okay, shut it off. Let's go. And he doesn't go shut off hand. He goes up. He finds the button. Right. He shuts it off. Like everything takes more time and it's up to me. I'm in control of my reaction. Yes. He's not. Yes. So I need to control my reaction to that. And also as with everything else in life, give yourself a few extra minutes. Give yourself a little bit of time because it's going to take forever. Yeah. Give yourself some time. And sometimes I get upset and then he gets upset and says, I was just about to shut it off. And maybe that's BS <laughs> or maybe it's real. I don't know. But the bottom line is, you know, I have to be a little more aware that he's five and a half. I found this interesting article. Janet Lansbury. She has this article called Stop Entertaining Your Toddler. She says, stop it. You stop it. And the one part that stuck out to me was that she says, the more we do or the more toys that your kid has, Mm. the less your child does. Yep. The more we do or the more toys that they have, the more our child thinks they need us or need the toys to do for them. Mm -hmm. Agreed. The more we do or the more toys that our child has, the less confident, capable, creative, and fulfilled they will feel. Good reminders. And I was like, mm-hmm, good reminders. I mean, avoid toothpicks. That was a really a misstep on my part when I said that earlier. Unless you have a future MacGyver on your hands, then, you know, and they're safe with them, go for it. Go and for were it. they born with a mullet and it didn't fall out? Mm-hmm. That's a MacGyver. You have a MacGyver on your hands. Go with it. Make safe choices. But yes, you know, I just saw recently a, a little Instagram whatever. I don't know. People like do TikToks, but they put them on Instagram. I know. I don't understand it. I'm too old. I don't get it. Help me. Help me. Help me. And it was, and some of our listeners may be familiar with this. It was like a Montessori bookshelf Mm. and it had like, you know, a few toys, a few books. And that was really it. A lot of space. And the caption was just really nice. It was like, we leave space to create space for them to create. Yeah. Uh, Something to that effect. And I was like, that's really good. Like, Yeah. We have some incredibly loving people in our life, primarily like grandparents and that kind of thing, who love making my son happy. And we are incredibly privileged to have them. However, it does mean that we are amassing the in amount of toys. I don't know. Stuff. Yeah, stuff. Mm -hmm. We're all dealing Mm -hmm. with stuff, Mm -hmm. right? I don't want to fill up landfills. I don't want to, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm trying to get rid of things, donate them, give them to friends, put it up on my local buy nothing page, which is... You guys may know there are Facebook groups by nothing where you can post something you have for free and then somebody can come and get it off your porch. So, you know, it's going directly to somebody in your community because sometimes when you drop stuff off at donation bins, you don't really know what happens to that stuff. Right. So it's a nice direct way to benefit your community and your community members. Also, I got a box of brand new solar lights the other day. I mean, come on. Oh, come come on. But yes, I was really inspired by that little brief video I saw to be like, I need to create more space. In my son's areas, you know, in his bedroom and in the play area of our guest room Mm -hmm. so that he can come up with other things. Yeah. And I think it's really great. Yeah. Good job, Janet Lansbury. Sounds like you know what you're doing. Thanks, Janet. 
Yeah. The biggest thing that I took away from this is that, you know, don't let the guilt get to you as always with so many things, just as often as you can let the guilt go. And remember that you're the parent first and it's not your duty to constantly and to engage and entertain your kid. It's not your duty. Yeah. You got to take care of them, but taking care of them doesn't necessarily mean constantly playing with them. Sometimes it means getting dinner on the table mm-hmm. so that they don't get have a hangry meltdown. 100%. And be calm, but be firm. Right. Put that foot down, but be calm about it, you know? Be the calm, confident leader you want to be. Exactly. And trust your little one. I think that's such a big one, right? Yeah. Trust them and set healthy boundaries for yourself and for your kid by acknowledging their needs, but not stopping everything you're doing to adhere to them. Right. They're not in charge. You are. Oh, one more time for the people in the back, and the people in the back are me. <laughs> it's because we care, and yeah. you want to make sure, and I can imagine, too, being a parent of one, which I was for two and a half years. Right. You know, you want to make sure they're not saying... Hey, mom, I'm actually playing just fine by myself. I'm good. Thanks. You can go do what you need to do. There's a lot of like, there's so much nonverbal that you have to figure out as a parent. And when you care and when you love them and when you're concerned for their well-being and social development and all the other things, you're just there and you want to be. But don't let your cup empty so much that it becomes a burden. Yeah. Or that your child becomes a burden. And, you know. Or that your child becomes a burden. You know Oh, we love them. Gosh, I love them. We love them, but, but yeah. Ah, they, but every now and then. You know, it's like, you know that sound that Velcro makes <laughs> when you separate it? <laughs> That's what I need in my life. But sometimes a little more. That's pretty good. And you will get it because this is just a season and you're a good parent. Oh, thanks. Good to hear. But listen, you may be the constant playmate and that's okay. Hopefully this episode helps you get some tips and tricks. If not, you just got a chance to lament <laughs> along with us, the mentors <laughs> along with us. It's what we do. And we appreciate you listening. Thanks for listening. If you think of it, go ahead and jump on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Where else do people listen to podcasts? So many places. Spotify. Oh, good old Spotify. Oh, good old Spotify. If you could drop us a rating and a review, we'd really appreciate it. It helps us to reach more listeners like you. And thank you so much for being here. Take it easy. Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. 
The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 